Welcome to Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. Thank you for joining us as we listen to another message from Pastor Daniel Shirley. Are you ready to dig into some Word today? Praise God. Praise God. Today, we are on part four of our message on increase. And uh, as I've been saying each week that when most people hear the word increase, they immediately think of financial increase. However, you know, I, I, I do believe God wants to increase you financially. I believe He wants to increase you in every aspect, every area of your life. I believe that. I preach that. But something more important. Uh, that, that we're talking about today, I won't say more important, but uh, something that we're talking about today, and in fact, in this series, this series, I have not talked about financial increase, and I'm not going to, because that's not the point of what I'm sharing today. But in this message on increase, if you'll, if you'll look down at the bottom here, there's a scripture from Luke chapter 2. It says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and men. Praise God. And so we're talking about four aspects of increase, and we've been going through each one of these uh, this month, and we've been breaking these down and talking about every aspect of this. Jesus increased in wisdom. What did it mean that he increased in wisdom? And how can we follow that example, and how can we increase in wisdom? We talked about increase in stature. Jesus grew physically larger. Praise God. And we, we talked about that last week, and today we've come up to he increased in favor with God. And, uh, you know, we are really, in this series, we are defining the vision of Word of Life Church and what, it, uh, what, what God has ahead for us where we're headed and if you follow along with this series and you can go back and 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 find the other uh the other parts of this series on facebook live and uh uh if you listen to each of these we're defining where god is taking us as a church praise god the lord gave me a word that i i shared with you um Oh, quite some time ago, uh, this has really been something that's been in the works for, uh, in, in, in my heart for a couple of years now, and I've been praying on this and talking uh, uh, about this, but the Lord said to me that he was going to do something um, that was very unique and, and, and very different. It was something that, that has never been seen. See, there's, there's a move of God. And if we look back through history, we find that there have been great movements of the Spirit of God in the earth. And, and, and God has done great things in the earth and, and great uh, revivals that have come and uh, swept across nations and changed nations and, and, and this kind of thing. And... It has been a little while since the, the last one of these, what we would call the great moves of God. And, uh, uh, but there's another one that is in, it's in the early stages right now. We are in, and, you know, and I call this uh, uh, 
for, for lack of a better way to refer to it, I just call it the next move. And, and the, the, the love move. Praise God. Because God is showing us how to love. Hallelujah. He's showing us how to love people. The Bible says that he who does not love doesn't know God. Because God is love. Praise God. And so as we are beginning to know the love of God and to understand how to love people. That's why we had, uh, adopted the phrase around here and we say it all the time. God is madly in love with you. In fact, uh, we sat down sometime back and, and, and laid out uh, seven core values uh, for our church. And, and uh, you know, core value number one is just that we will pull out all of the stops to make sure that people know that God is madly in love with them. And that, that's simply core value number one. We'll pull out all of the stops. We will do things that, that people consider, most people would think we're, we're insane, we're out of our mind for doing, because we want people to know that God is madly in love with you. And this is one of the greatest deficiencies in our world today is, is people knowing that and understanding that. We say that all the time. You know, I mean, but in, in, in church circles, we have said for a long time, well, God loves you. But then we act like he barely tolerates you. But that, you know, uh, that's not the love of God. The love of God, he doesn't barely tolerate you. He is excited about you. Praise God. God is excited about you. In fact, Scripture says he rejoices over you with singing. Hallelujah. You know, we have our worship service and we're singing worship songs to the Lord. But I, I always picture that, that Scripture like this. That while we're worshiping the Lord and singing songs about him... He is singing songs about you. Praise God. Because that's how much he loves you. And he is excited about it. He's not just tolerating you. He's not just putting up with you. He is really, honestly, excited about you. Praise God. Praise God. When you begin to understand that, and, and see, when we're talking today about Jesus increasing in favor with God, um, let me just say this, that, you know, how did Jesus, how, how could you increase in favor with God? I mean, think about this. Uh, you know, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. Did Jesus, did he gain more of God's favor or was it that he increased in his consciousness and awareness of the favor of God upon him? Which, which was it? Did he gain more of God's favor? Well, let, let's help to answer that question for, for just a minute. First of all, could God have shown any more favor? I mean, think about this. God gave the entire Old Testament to foretelling Jesus and talking about Jesus. The, the scripture says that all of Moses and the prophets, they all wrote about Jesus. That's what the Bible tells us. Two, I, I could point you to two, two different passages of scriptures that, that 
confirm that. That God spent the entire Old Testament talking about Jesus. Could God have shown any more favor toward Jesus than that? You know? I mean, did God spend the entire Old Testament talking about you? No, he spent the entire Old Testament talking about Jesus. Praise God. He could not have shown any more favor toward Jesus than that. How about this? When Jesus was born, he sent an angel choir to announce to a group of shepherds Jesus' birth. Now, that's favor, isn't it? That, that's, that's the favor of God upon Jesus, that when he's born, he announces his birth. You know, I, I can't really picture God handing out cigars. But he did better than that. He did better than hand out cigars. He announced with an angel choir, praise God, the birth of his son. How about this one? He put a star in the sky. And you remember when the, the wise men, they came to Herod and they wanted to know where, Jesus, where, where the, the king of the Jews, he who was born king of the Jews, where is he born? And they would begin to, they, they said, for we have seen his star in the east. And we've come to worship him. So God put a star in the sky called his star. Now, is there a star named after you? Is there a star that, that God calls your star? Probably not. But, but you know, so... Uh, how could God show any more favor toward Jesus than to put a star in the sky and call it his star? Praise God. All right, what about this one? He sent kings from the east. When Jesus was born, they came to worship him and to bring him gifts that if you look at the gifts, you know, I mean, people, people say, well, Jesus was poor. I have a hard time buying into that because kings came from the east and they brought gifts. They call him the king of, you know, they, they call him he who is born king of the Jews. And so kings, when they go to visit other kings and they bring gifts... They don't bring, you know, a, a little sucky thing. They don't bring a, you know, a rattle and say, here you go. You know, here you go, King Jesus. Here's a, here's a rattle for you. I don't think so. You know, they didn't bring him a little onesie jumpsuit. He's a king. And they brought him kingly gifts, gold frankincense, and myrrh. If it was a pacifier, it was a golden pacifier. I can assure you of that. Praise God. You know, if it was a rattle, it was a gold rattle. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I contend that Jesus was set up for life right there by those kings that came to worship him. 
Praise God. Could God have shown any more favor toward Jesus? But yet the scripture says that he increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with men. He increased in favor with God. So how about this? Why, you know, or at what point, let me say it this way. At what point did Jesus begin to realize, and I contend that this increase in favor with God is, uh, comes about from a knowledge of who he was. At what point, remember Jesus is born into this world just like every human baby is born into this world with the exception that he was born of a virgin. But he was born into this world in a human body. He was a tiny little baby that didn't know how to talk, didn't know how to, you know, to, to uh, didn't know anything. He came into this world with zero knowledge. So everything that Jesus grew into, he grew into, just like every other person that's born on this planet. So at what point did Jesus come to realize who he was. At what, and how did he get there? At what point did Jesus come to realize, hey, I'm the son of God. God is my father. At what point did, did Jesus realize that? And so I was thinking about this the other day, and, and uh, uh, I was just, just meditating on this, and I thought, okay, how did this happen? And so I begin to write out just a little short story. It's just three paragraphs, okay? So I want to share this story with you. It goes something like this. You know, one day Jesus comes in. Uh, let, me, let me give you just a little bit of background before I, before I get into the story. You remember that when Jesus was 12 years old, his parents, they went to Jerusalem at the Feast of the Passover. And they were there and, and, and celebrated the Passover, and then they went home back to Nazareth. And as they're going back home to Nazareth, they travel all day long, and they assume Jesus, he's 12 years old at this time, and they assume that Jesus is with relatives and family members. And um, at the end of the day, they start looking for him, and they can't find him. So they start backtracking. They go all the way back to Jerusalem, and they spend three days searching for him. And finally, I don't know why they just didn't go there first, but finally they thought, oh, maybe he's in the temple. So they went to the temple, and they checked, and they, sure enough, there he was. They found their 12-year-old boy there. He's sitting among the, the, the scribes and the teachers. And he's, he is, the Bible says that he is, uh, he is talking to them. He's listening to them teach. And he's asking them questions. Okay? And I, I, I said this uh, a week ago or two that I don't think that Jesus was asking them gotcha questions. You know? He wasn't asking questions trying to embarrass them or see how much they knew. You know, he wasn't showing off as a 12-year-old boy. Jesus had a little more respect than that. 
Okay? So Jesus is a respectful young man, so he's sitting there, he's listening to the teachers, and, and he's asking them questions. And so now let's fast forward to the beginning of our story. Jesus walks in where his mom is, and he's, hey, mom, remember when I was in the temple in Jerusalem listening to the scribes teach? They read scripture from Isaiah that said, a virgin would conceive and bear a child. I asked, what's a virgin? And they said, ask your mother. They also read from Hosea when God said he called his son out of Egypt. They were amazed when I asked what the prophets had to say about Bethlehem. Then they read from Micah where he talked about a ruler coming out of Bethlehem. They also read a bunch of other scriptures. And I started to put the scriptures together. That's why, remember when you said, your father and I have sought you anxiously when you were getting on to me for staying behind? Your father and I sought for you anxiously? That's why I responded, don't you know I must be about my father's business? He said, you know, I've been putting the scriptures together. Joseph is not my father, is he? God's my father, isn't he? See, have you ever stopped to just think about how that might have happened? And, you know, that's, that's not Bible. That's, that came right out of my head. Okay? But, uh, uh, but I think that there, there's a possibility that that may be how it happened. That Jesus, because he was taught the scriptures, he began to see who he was by the scriptures. Now, that's not the primary point of my message today. We're, we're getting ready to, to dive in there and, and, and go that way. But I, I want you to understand, you know, Jesus, he learned who he was from the Scriptures. And this is why he increased in favor with God. Because do you realize that when you know who your Father is, everything changes? When you know that God is your Father, it changes everything. You know, I mean, to, to some people, he's just, he's just God. You know, well, he's God. He's this, this mysterious being that's out there, and, and, you know, maybe he exists, maybe he don't, or, or maybe he cares about us, maybe he doesn't, maybe, he's, maybe he don't like us at all, maybe he like we said a minute earlier, maybe he, he just tolerates us. Maybe he just puts up with us. Maybe, you know, but he's, he's sitting up there in heaven. He's got a, a, a lightning bolt in one hand and a ball-peen hammer in the other hand. And he's just waiting to use them. And if you mess up, he's, he, the only decision he has to make is it the hammer or the lightning. You know, which one am I going to hit him with? You know, and, and a lot of people think that that's who God is. That's why you, t you hear people say, well, oh, you, if you're going to talk like that, don't stand too close to me. Because, you know, they think God's going to strike you with lightning for talking like that. 
But you see, when we begin to see him and know him, if, if that's all you see of God is this mysterious being out there somewhere in the great vast beyond somewhere, that you, know, you, you begin to see him as judge. And that's all you can see. And in fact, if you just read the Old Testament and you don't see the New Testament side of God, then, then all you can see is God the judge who is, who is waiting for me and I know I don't stand up to the judgment very well. Because you are painfully aware, you know, I know I am, I'm painfully aware of all of my failures and shortcomings. And, and when I say painfully aware, I, I, I just mean that I don't like what I see sometimes. And... I think that there's probably some other people in this room that, that, that feel the same way. You don't like what you see much. Sometimes when you begin to take a look at yourself, and, you, and, and most people believe that God sees them the way they see themselves. Well, God knows everything. So he knows all the things you have done, all the, thing, the secret things you've done, all the things that you, uh, that, that you hoped nobody would find out about, and you're still hoping nobody finds out about. And, and, you know, and, and you are aware of all that stuff, but then somebody says, God knows everything. Uh-oh. Man, I hope that's not true. But it is true. He does know everything. But the good news is, He loves you anyway. Good news is, He knew it before you did it. Praise God. He, he knows you so intimately. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows the deep secrets that are way down on the inside. He even knows why you do what you do. And the pain that is on the inside of you hidden way down in there somewhere that is causing you to do what you do. He knows all that. By the way, he wants you to be healed of that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because he loves you so deeply. But when you begin to see him as father, you begin to realize, you know, I, I mean, have, have, have you ever, if, if you've ever been around little league teams, children's sports, you know, as the kids start getting a little bit bigger and they start, you know, developing, it start, becomes obvious which are the better players and which ones are the lesser players. And every dad thinks his kid's the best player. And, you know, and he always wants his kid to be the starting quarterback. He always wants his kid to be the, you know, the cleanup hitter. He always, you know, my kid, my kid, you know, you need to play my kid more. You, you know, dads feel that way. Anybody experience that? You know? And then, then you have the deal where the dad is the coach. And then everybody thinks that the only reason this kid's playing is because his dad's the coach. And, you know, and you get all this kind of stuff going on. You know, and, and, but even earthly fathers, they have this kind of a, a, a relationship that they favor their kid. 
And you know what? If you favor your kid, good for you, you ought to. It's your kid. Praise God, you ought to favor your kid. Your father favors you. Hallelujah. And when you begin to realize and, and see him as father, and when Jesus, when, when it dawned on him, I, I can picture this, when it dawned on Jesus that God was his father, there became, you know, I, I remember one time years ago when, when I was in Oklahoma and I was uh, working in the church there, uh, the first uh, full-time position job that I had in the church was the janitor, okay? I, I became the, the associate pastor slash janitor, okay? That, that was my job. And um, so one day, you know, the pastor's son is, is around the church there, and he unwrapped a piece of candy or something, and I don't recall exactly what happened. But he, he unwrapped a piece of candy, and, and, and he threw the wrapper on the floor. And he looked at me, and he said, pick that up. Now, this is a little kid. And, uh, you know, uh, when his daddy found out about it, that didn't go over very well. But, uh, but anyway, you know, he thought... My daddy is the pastor. He's your boss. And so, therefore, if I tell you to pick that up, you'll pick it up. Well, you know, I mean, that was just, kids try things, you know. And, and, and so, anyway, but, uh, and, and then, you know, I remember here one time when, uh, when Brooklyn, my granddaughter, was about, oh, I don't know, she was probably three or four and one of the teenagers was doing something that, that she didn't think they should be doing. And she told the teenager, she said, hey, you, you need to stop that. I'm one of the bosses around here. <laughs> because she knew who her father and her grandfather were. And so she thought that made her one of the bosses. And so, you know... But when we realize that God is our Father, when Jesus realized God was His Father, it changed everything. Praise God. He could now, this is not just the God that, you know, that He did all these things back in the Old Testament. No, this is my Father. This is my Father. And because He's my Father, He favors me. Now, that's how Jesus increased in favor with God. Hallelujah. Was, be, was because his awareness began to increase. Then, I want you to get this. How, how many of you have ever, you know, you remember on the schoolyard or you've, I mean, some of us can remember that far back, uh, not me, but, uh, you know, I mean, some, some of you, I should say, can remember that far back being on the schoolyard. Uh, but, uh, you know, I have been around students. I used to teach school, and uh, so I, I've been around students, and one of the things I heard kids say a lot of times was, was this, who's your daddy? 
And, you know, and I heard that a lot. Who's your daddy? You know. And so I want you to think about this. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Because your answer makes all the difference. Who's your daddy makes all the difference. When you realize and understand that Father God, in fact, see, I don't, I, I, I picked something up several years ago from a friend of mine, and I just, I just noticed that uh, something that he always said. And, uh, and, and I, my lightning quick mind picked up on it right away. And, uh, you know, I, I noticed that he didn't refer to, to Father God as the Father. He just referred to him as Father. He wouldn't say, well, the Father did this or the Father said this. No, he would just say, Father said this or Father. Why, why is that? Because... You know, if I'm talking to, you know, my, my earthly father's in heaven, but, uh, but if my earthly father were here, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't speak to him and call him the daddy or the dad. I would just call him dad. You know, I would refer to him as dad, not the dad. And, and, you know, I wouldn't refer, you wouldn't refer to him as the father. You would just call him father. Now, I'm not being picky about that and saying God's going to get upset with you if you call him the father. No, he's not going to get upset with you about that. But here's what it does. When you begin to think that way, and I've recently started doing that with Holy Spirit too. You know, I mean, the very same thing. We don't call Jesus the Jesus. We just call him Jesus because that's who he is. Well, why don't we call Holy Spirit, why don't we call him the Holy Spirit? Why don't we call the Father, the Father? Why don't we just say Father, Holy Spirit, Jesus? You know, and, and, and the reason that I'm pointing this out, like I said, is not because God's going to get upset with you about it, but because it creates something in your mind. Here's what we're doing. Is we're working on renewing our minds and thinking in a new way. Praise God. Because as we begin to change our mentality, then our whole manner of life begins to change. Our confidence level begins to change. When you realize he's not just the father, well, your father is the father, and your father is the father, and my father is the father, but there's only one that I call father, and that's my father. You understand what I'm saying? There's only one father. There's a lot of fathers in this room, but there's only one I call father. Because there's only one that is my father. Praise God. And so, uh, as we begin to adjust and change our thinking, it begins to add confidence in your life. He is not just the father. He is not just a father. He is your father. He is father. Praise God. And so, uh, let's begin to personalize that. So when they ask you, you know, I, I, I can imagine, you know, that, that uh, 
you know, probably not a different culture, but I can, I can just kind of in my mind think, well, you know, Jesus at school, and they say, who's your daddy? And when we begin to realize, see, everything changed. We have a confidence boost right there just by our focus and our, our, our recognition of who our Father is. We grew in favor with Father. Praise God. Praise God. And see, here's something that uh, in, in 1 John chapter 3, verse number 1, when you begin to realize God is your Father, He says this, Behold what manner of love the Father. Now, it says the Father, but remember this is through translation into English, okay? And so, so I'm just going to leave out the word thee there. Behold what manner of love Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Behold, behold, what does behold mean? Look at this, look at this, look at this. And this is what John the Apostle is saying. He said, hey, look at this. Look at the love that Father has bestowed upon us. That we should be called children of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I like Psalm chapter 103, verse number 13 in the New Living Translation. It reads this way. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers, we bloom and die. The wind blows, we are gone, as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear Him. His salvation extends to the children's children. Praise God. Now, notice this. The, the Lord, He's like a father. That's what it says. He's like a father. He's not just like a father. He is the father. Praise God. He's like a father to his children, tender and compassionate. Now, notice this. He remembers. He knows how weak we are. He knows you better than anyone else. He knows your weaknesses. Praise God. He knows your weaknesses. But that's not a thing to worry about. See, because he is also mindful of or remembers that we're dust. He remembers where we came from. Praise God. He remembers that we were born into this world, the children of Adam. And now we have been born into his family, into his, uh, into his the household of God. Praise God. You have become a child of God. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Then notice this in Matthew chapter 3, verse number 16. Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. And the Bible tells us that when he came up out of the water, it says this, When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now, there were a couple of occasions when God said that. On the Mount of Transfiguration, God said, this is my beloved son. Um, But in this passage in Matthew uh, chapter 3, God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. All right, the very next verse begins chapter 4. And in chapter 4 of Matthew, Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And there he's tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. And, and he's fasting all this time. And the devil comes to him, the tempter comes to him, and he says, uh, if you be the Son of God. Three times he came to him and he said that. If you be the Son of God, then do this, do this. And he, and he tempted him. Now, notice what the tempter did not say. This is real important. He did not say, if you are the beloved Son of God. He left out a word. Jesus had just got finished hearing a voice out of heaven saying, this is my beloved son. You are my beloved son. But when the tempter came, he just said, if you are the son. Now why? Because the tempter will never remind you that you are beloved. He will never remind you that you are loved by God because when you know that you are loved by Father God, everything changes and He doesn't stand a chance if you remember that you are loved. Praise God. Devil never wants to remind you that you are beloved. But if you are constantly conscious of that fact, you will be constantly conscious of God's favor upon you. Praise God. If you are constantly conscious that you are beloved, you will be constantly conscious of His favor. You know, I... I, I, from time to time, I'll have someone send me a message. Pastor, could you, uh, could you just agree with me for favor or pray with me for favor? I have an interview or I have this or I have that. Or I, you know, Can you just pray with me for favor in this situation? I used to say, sure, I will. You know, But then I started thinking about this. I started, instead of just saying, yeah, I will, what I started saying is walk in favor. You are favored. Walk in favor. Live in favor. Live as though the favor of God is just all over you. Praise God. How can you go into any situation with a lack of confidence when you know you are favored of God? Hallelujah. 
And you can turn to the person next to you and say, I'm his favorite. And that's absolute truth. You are. And every single one of you are. Praise God. I don't mean that you're favored above someone else. I mean that you are, every single one of you are his favorite. Because that, that just means his favor is upon you. Praise God. And his favor will take you places. You see, but there, there needs to be a consciousness because it becomes a boldness in how you live your life. There becomes a boldness in how you conduct yourself when you know you are his favorite. Praise God. Now, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 2, the apostle Paul writes this. He says, grace to you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Why? Because you're his favorite. Praise God. He has blessed us in heavenly places with all, every spiritual blessing. Has, past tense. See, you're already blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Now, let's go. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to the adoption as sons. Now, that word adoption can be uh, confusing sometimes. When we say adopt, we mean that we go out and we find a child that's not biologically ours and we bring them in by adoption into our family. That's not what happened. You were not adopted into the family of God. You were born into the family of God. You were born again, the Bible says. So you were born into the family of God. The, this term adoption is a term that is used to refer to a time when a child would step into, you know, we've, we've heard the term bar mitzvah in the, the, the Jewish faith. Bar mitzvah, that, that is the time when a young boy would step into his inheritance as a son. Was he a son before the bar mitzvah? Yes. Were you a son? Were you a child of God before? Yes. But there comes a time when you realize who you are. There comes a time when you begin to realize who your daddy is. And you begin to act like it. Hallelujah. And he has predestined that you would come to that day and that point in time when your eyes would be opened and you would realize, like Jesus, hey, Joseph's not my dad, is he? Joseph's not my father, is he? God's my father, right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's my father. And there comes a time when we realize he's our father and what that means to us. He has predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. See, it is his good pleasure that all of the inheritance come upon you hallelujah then 
to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us adopted or accepted, excuse me, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Notice it says, it didn't say he accepted you. It says he made you accepted. Now, I know that's a little technicality, but here's the difference. You see, he didn't just accept you the way you were. He did something to make you acceptable. Praise God. Is anybody a mess before you came to the Lord? There's a few people in this room that you were pretty messed up before you came to Jesus. He didn't just accept you as the mess you were. No, he did something in Christ that made you acceptable. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus became sin for you so you could be acceptable. Hallelujah. Jesus, the beloved son, became sin for you so you could be made acceptable to God. And the only way you're ever acceptable to God, see, he doesn't just accept you the way you were. The only way you're acceptable to God is because of what Jesus did. That's why it says he made you accepted in the beloved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, you say, well, okay, I guess I wasn't good enough. Why would you want to be? Why would you want to be good enough without Jesus? I mean, in my mind, I don't know, I, I, I hope you can picture this and see this the way I see this, but it, in my mind, that's even better because I was so valuable to him as a mess that he went to the trouble of taking his beloved son, allowing him to be hung on a cross, his blood spilled out so I could be made acceptable. Now that's what he did for me in Christ. Now that's even better than him just accepting me the way I was. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He completely changed who I was. Hallelujah. I love the, the, the T-shirt several years ago. It's still my favorite T-shirt. I wear it every chance. I, every time it's clean in the closet, I, you know, I like to get that shirt out. But it says, I didn't just get wet. It's baptized. It says, I didn't just get wet. I got changed. Praise God. Something changed. He made me accepted in the beloved. Praise God. And when I understand this grace... Paul starts that passage off in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, grace to you. The word grace could be translated favor. Jesus increased in favor with God and man. That's what we're talking about today. Increased in favor. I increase, I grow in the grace of God, in the favor of God. I grow in it because I understand it more and more and more what it means to me. Praise God. Praise God. Grace. And followed by grace immediately is peace. Grace, favor. And when I know the favor of God, 
peace just comes all over me. Hallelujah. Got turmoil going on in your life? Got things going on in your life that are, that are robbing your peace? Begin to realize the favor of God is upon you and peace will return. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then, Ephesians 3, verse 12, says, In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. We have boldness and access with confidence. That's where you go strutting into the throne room of God. You have boldness and access with confidence. Then Jesus says this, in John chapter 11, verse number 42, he's at the tomb of Lazarus. And he says this, he says, I know Jesus is, is, is praying at this point. And he says to the Father, he says, I know that you always hear me. Where did he get, a, where did he get such boldness? I know that you always hear me. I know you do. I know you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. I know that you always hear me. See, do you have that level of confidence and that level of boldness that you would say to Father, I know you always hear me? When you understand his fatherhood brings great confidence, great boldness. See, his ears are always open to you. Hallelujah. I know you always hear me. Shouldn't we be able to begin our prayer with that? Father, I know you always hear me. You know, and not this thing, oh, Lord, please hear our prayer. No, I know you always hear me. Hallelujah. I know you do. Praise God. When you know that you are heard, here's what the Bible says. This is the confidence, 1 John chapter 5, verse number 14. This is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us. And if we know he hears us, then we know we have the petitions that we've asked of him. Praise God. Now, Jesus used this kind. Now, all, all along, see, we've been talking about reaching our world. And all of this today, though we didn't really specify that's what we're talking about, but when you go out and you encounter people out in the world, what difference will it make if you have boldness and confidence? Jesus said, I know you always hear me, but for their sake, I said this. It was for their sake that I said this. See, for their sake, 
See, we need to have this confidence that for their sake, when you encounter someone that needs healing, Father always hears you. I know, Father, that you always hear me. Praise God. When you encounter someone who has, who has trouble and, 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 and they need an encouraging word, Father, I know you always hear me. Praise God. Now, hear me for their sake. Hallelujah. You hear me for their sake. Praise God. Praise God. Today, if you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, this is how we come into this father-child relationship with God. It's through Jesus Christ. He made us accepted in the beloved. How did he make you accepted in the beloved? Through Christ. So when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, now remember, it's not that he didn't want to accept you. He went to all of this hanging Jesus on the cross. He did all that so that he could accept you. Praise God. Because he wants more than anything. He would not have done that if he didn't want to accept you. And so today, here's what the Bible says. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we would be saved. We would be then brought into, accepted in the beloved. Praise God. Praise God. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So whether you're watching online or whether you're sitting in this room, I want to ask you to just pray this prayer with me right now. And I want everyone to pray together. If you pray this for the first time and you mean this, you, you mean what you're saying, the Bible says you will be saved or you will be made accepted in the beloved. Well, let's pray this together. God in heaven, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus, that you laid all of my sin upon him so that I could be accepted in the beloved. He paid for my sin so I don't have to pay for it. You raised him from the dead so I could have new life. Today I choose Jesus. I put my trust in what Jesus has done for my salvation. Jesus, I invite you into my life to be my Lord, my master. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. God's word now says, if you prayed that and you meant that, that you are now saved. Praise God. And I ask one thing, that you would let me know. Pastor, I prayed that for the first time today. Send me a message if you're watching online. Send me a message and tell me that. Hallelujah. Secondly, 
Jesus said that there is a gift called the promise of the Father. He said this gift is available to everyone who believes. He says, just for the asking. If you believe this and you ask, he said, everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. That's what Jesus said. So this gift is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, right after Jesus went back to heaven, the day of Pentecost, there were 120 that were in the upper room in Jerusalem. And they had an encounter that day. The Bible says that there was heard the sound of a rushing mighty wind that filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues of fire that sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now what that is, if you're not familiar with, with, with some of the terminology, what that is, that is a language that you've never learned. But the Holy Spirit comes upon you and He gives you the ability to speak with other tongues. You don't, he didn't say you understand it. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us that your mind won't understand it. But your spirit speaks to God and it speaks divine mysteries. It empowers you to pray when you don't know how you ought to pray. It empowers you to, to enter into a new level of giving thanks unto God. Speak the wonderful works of God. That's what they did on the day of Pentecost when they spoke with tongues. Everyone that was there heard them glorifying God in their own languages. And these people were from all over the world. And they heard them glorifying God in their own language. The Bible says this, that you give thanks well. Also says this in Jude 20, it says, we build up ourselves on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. How do you receive this gift? Well, if you have received Jesus as your Lord, you're eligible. Whether you, whether you did that 50 years ago or whether you did that two minutes ago, you're eligible. And Jesus said, you just ask. You just ask. Praise God. Father wants to give you this gift. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Once again, I want to ask everyone in the room, pray this. We're going to ask. And when we get to the end of this prayer, I'm going to say amen. And when we say amen, then there's going to be something that's going to come up on the inside of you that's, that's going to be words that you don't understand. Just open your mouth and say them. It's really that simple. It's really that simple. Praise God. So let's, let's pray this together. If you mean this, once again, you will receive. Say, so Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me.
to save me. And today, as your child, I come asking for the gift that Jesus said you have for me. He said, if I ask you, I would receive it. I believe what he said. So I'm asking you right now to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I receive it now in his name. Here we go. Amen. Begin to say the words that are coming up on the inside of you. It's not a scary thing. It's power for your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your unspeakable gift. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Now, the Lord's already ministered healing here today. But if you're sitting there and you say, Well, Pastor, I, I, I still need to receive some healing in my body. Would you just hold your hand up? We're not even going to turn the lights on, but the people around you can see. You got your hand up. If there's somebody sitting close to you with their hand up, Mark the 16th chapter says you can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So if you're sitting close to someone with their hand up, I can see one over here and back here, back here, a couple back here. Let's just make sure that someone just reaches over and just lay your hand on their shoulder. And we're going to release the healing anointing of God to go into these bodies right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we release that healing anointing now. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So right now, let the recovery begin. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. We thank you for it. Amen. Praise God. It's been a great day. Thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Word of Life Church, please visit us on the web at wolcarlsbad.com. Thank you and have a great week.